Welcome to Brand Me. I'm Preston Conrad, and on this show, we'll talk all things branding, from launching a product line to owning your side hustle. We'll talk to the movers, the shakers, the thought leaders. What do you say we finally stop focusing on brands X, Y, and Z and focus on brand me? Let's start the show. If you don't have a clear vision, if you don't know what you're doing, like I had a business plan, I had like a roadmap, I, I completely understood the vision of what we were, where we were going. And I had co-founders that helped me with that. If you're a little bit wishy-washy, then I wouldn't, that's when I would just, you know, hire a designer. Today's episode is brought to you by my brand, Preston Conrad Home. Living a stylish life does not have to be overly complicated or expensive. The magic of home decor is really made through the fun finishing touches, which quite too often come with big box middlemen and luxury brand price tags. With Preston Conrad Home, everybody can now inject major style into their space with minimal effort and no furniture shopping required with our new luxury home fragrance collection. Just in time for fall, you can choose from five stunning luxury candle scents, all made in America, or our new hand wash collection, both of which will instantly transport yourself to another world while transforming your space at the very same time. Time. As a listener of today's show, you can take 10% off of your purchase of any single item on Preston Conrad Home using the offer code BRANDME. That's PrestonConradHome.com, offer code BRANDME. Guys, I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. I'm joined by Charlotte Palermino. Charlotte is the co-founder of Do Skin. Do is one of the hottest and most buzzy skincare brands on social media and is experiencing a lot of great successes like sold out products, countless amounts of press, and Charlotte, their co-founder, really gets into why being an expert in your field is so important when launching a personal brand or a brand of your own. We get into talking about how transparency is key for driving sales. And we also talk about developing your branding, your aesthetic. Uh, and I think you're going to find this conversation not only entertaining and fun, but really, really helpful if you are looking to launch a brand or a product in a category that's already really saturated. So buckle up, get ready for a wealth of knowledge from Charlotte Palomino. The day has come. I am honored, baffled, and humbled that you are here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You, we were just saying this before we started recording. You were one of the last human beings I saw IRL at a dinner table at a, at a restaurant in our old lives in 2019. <laughs> and it was such a magical night. I'm like, wow, I met all these amazing people, obviously you included. I'm like, I can't wait to hang out with them. And then I spent a year alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then we spent years going crazy locked indoors. You became a viral TikTok star. You became an influencer. You launched your brand. I did a lot. So much. I got my esthetician's you license. Of, you got your esthetician's license. Um, guys, and, and I know I talked about this at the jump, but Charlotte is a co-founder of a skincare brand I am obsessed with called Do, D-I-E-U-X, if that's correct. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yep. Um, and what I think is amazing about you, Charlotte, not only um, do I want to make your basil smoothie pasta every fucking night, um, but your content that you churn out on social works so harmoniously with the brand that you launched. And they kind of have this weird feed off each other. They kind of fuel each other. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how 
you came up with the concept for do and and quickly how it came to be before we dive into all the other stuff that you do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's like you see a brand when it launches and our brand launched about a year ago, but it was something that was really two, no, three years in the making. And it started because I met a clinical chemist from SkinCeuticals and La Roche-Posay. And I like to throw my French around, La Roche-Posay. I love when you fucking talk French. <laughs> you say Vichy. 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 Um, <laughs> and she also did Kiehl's. Like, you know, she's an incredible formulator. And then my other co-founder, Marta. And we just kind of realized that there was a big white space for clinical brands that were mission-driven. And so Joyce is behind all of our amazing formulations. We started with a cannabinoid complex because we felt like CBD was just really unstudied. And a lot of brands were kind of just throwing it in. And we just realized that a lot of brands are like over-promising and under-delivering. And so ultimately, we just wanted to create a brand that starts to take the leaps of faith out of beauty, but also is educating people because I find that so often it's very easy to fall on levers of like fear or shame to get people to buy. And can we do something else? Like this isn't working for me. This whole system is <laughs> this whole system isn't working, working for me. And so it's kind of how I approach my content. It's how I've approached kind of everything in life is that I just I try to call things as they are or as I understand them. And I try to yep. break them down in my mind. And so we really just started doing that online and it's resonating. And I think it's because a lot of people are tired and we just want to know what the deal is. What's the deal? Well, especially after the last two years of uh, sitting home on these little tablets, being fed misinformation by 17-year-olds on TikTok, I think a lot of us are confused about what's killing us, what's not killing us, Mm -hmm. and who to Mm -hmm. trust when it comes to our spending power. Um, Did you have, what was your follower count like when you went hard into launch? Like, were you at the influencer level you're at now? Not nearly. Well, I was an editor and I then worked at Snapchat. So, you know, the reason why I'm able to create videos so quickly is that I did it for years, right? Like I created video content for Cosmo Snapchat Discover. I actually launched that channel. Then I worked at Snapchat. So this is kind of like easy. It's like not, it's not that it's easy for me, but video editing, that's actually how I got on TikTok was I was annoyed with Instagram's video editing suite. And then the videos just started going viral. And I was like, what's this platform? (laughs) What's this shiny toy? (laughs) Yeah. So that was, that was pretty, that was pretty wild. But yeah, I had 20,000 followers when I started all of this and, you know, 20,000 followers is like nothing to, you know, that was a lot even at the time. Like, but that was really because I was an editor and I was working at Snapchat and I had like magazines promoting me or people knew what I was doing or I did like pizza cleanses. I was an editor. I did a pizza cleanse and that got me like a ton of followers. All the buzzy kind of things that we see the editors participate in. Was the goal ever, was the goal always to grow your personal following to fuel the brand's growth or was that, or did they kind of just like parlay into each other now as? That's such a good question because I feel like, Okay, so women in many areas of life are given kind of the short end of the stick, even though I have every intersection of privilege, right? Like I am white, I am tall, I am thin. I am conventionally attractive. I understand that all these things have a ton of privilege and people will trust me more when I create videos. And that's something that I really am considerate of. And I think about a lot whenever we create content is like who is given the platform to be considered an expert, um, which is partly why I got my estheticians license. Um, But, you know, one thing that women do outshine men on is influencing. And so I wonder if that's also why influencing has been so belittled by so many people because they're like, oh, influencers, like whatever. And I'm like, yeah, 
travel, that's where women shine and they can make a lot of money. So if you, anyone listening, you want to be an influencer, go do it, go chase your dreams. It's actually like, you know, it's, it's a whole other industry that I had no idea how how lucrative it could be. And so for me, no, that was not the goal. The goal was to educate as much as possible and kind of see where it went. Um, but I had no idea that it was going to blow up the way that it blew up. And what I realized is that if you are trying to build a brand and you are a mission driven brand, then you need to show who your founders are because people care about who's behind the brand. Like, you know, it's like, it's God, like, there's so like much if Mitch McConnell around. were to launch a skincare <laughs> brand that was like, you know, mission driven, like people would want to know it's Mitch McConnell. So, you know, <laughs> It's like, that's basically like how I, how we thought about it. And it's why I do kind of push Joyce, one of my co-founders who is just so brilliant. I push her. I want to see more of Joyce. I loved when you went to the, um, to the pharmacy for the eye cream storyline. I totally like, I like totally like tricked her into that, but it's just like, I'm just so impressed with my co-founders and just like the team that we're going to start building. Cause it is just us three right now. And it's just, you know, we just want more perspectives. I want it to be less of my face and just kind of more of the team because I regurgitate a lot of what Joyce says to me. So I'm like, we just got to put her face on it. But people are nervous about getting in front of the camera. And I totally get that. So part of my job is just making people comfortable in front of the camera now. (laughs) Yeah, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine in finance yesterday about the buzz around founder-led, personality-driven, influence-driven, lifestyle expert-driven was the... Uh, you're good on camera, you're an editor, you have street cred in town, you had a, kind of an idea of what to do with these fucking apps because you had 20,000 followers. What was the, um, what pushed you to gain more credibility as an esthetician? Did you feel like you were already combating so much misinformation yeah. on the internet I that you were yeah. like, well, you don't know what you're talking about? <laughs> well, it's more that, so I was a reporter and I think that what was, and when I say reporter, I mean, I, I wrote, you know, articles for like, you know, Cosmo and Elle and Marie Claire. And like, I just understood how much you had to research things before you said it, right? Like I wasn't like an yeah. investigative reporter. I wasn't out here doing like, you know, that like New York times, like deep dive. Right. Um, but you do have to cite what you say. And so I started diving into citations and I, I just started to realize that a lot of people just say things without really reading them. I'm like, you just read the headline. And then I started working at Snapchat and I worked at Snapchat during the 2016 election. And I saw how headlines were manipulated. And then when you actually read the actual article, they aren't even saying what the headline's saying. So I saw this happening within beauty at like an enormous clip. And so part of the reason why I got my esthetician's license was to be able to run next to Joyce, run, like gently walk behind her. She is like, she's got so much experience. (laughs) Yeah. A a gentle pitter patter of my feet behind her. Yeah. A trot. Yeah. Right. Um, (laughs) That's part of why I got my esthetician's license, but also people were coming to me for skincare advice. And I was like, guys, I'm I'm repeating what other experts are telling me. And so it just made me really kind of be like, okay, I have a responsibility to really understand skin histology. I want to practice. We actually have a lab that's opening up where I'm going to, I'm really excited. I get to practice on people's faces. It's going to be like a weekend fun thing. It's not something that I have time for full time, obviously with do, but I think that a lot of people come onto the internet and just, you know, repeat what a lot of other experts are saying, but they aren't really reading deep or they're repeating a really big headline from CNN without realizing that CNN, their incentive is to get clicks, not necessarily to be accurate. And people don't take beauty seriously. So I don't see people asking for citations and fact-checking the way that they do with other news stories. Because some of the reports that I saw published, I was like, this is is bonkers. This is 
Especially a lot around surrounding clean beauty, fear marketing. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh my goodness. Or the benzene, the benzene and sunscreen. And then everybody talking about chemical sunscreens. I was like, are you joking me? Did you even go through the list? There were zinc sunscreens included. It is right. a problem with manufacturing practices. Nobody is dumping eggs on into your sunscreen. That is not what's happening here. And so what happens is that you have people fighting for the wrong solutions. Like good manufacturing practices were so key there because all the brands that have them could remedy the situation. And, you know, it's like they were talking about chemical sunscreens. And I was like, no, zinc sunscreens were part and aloe, aloe lotion. I remember following this whole diatribe you were on and I I was like tuning in for the next story to go live because I was, was so so frustrated by your expertise and I think it's I think it's you have the credibility, you have the brand, you go live. Talk to me a bit about because there's a lot of people listening maybe that want to start a brand, that started a little something, that have a little side hustle, maybe they make a product. Talk to me about this whole narrative surrounding a viral product, something so that hard. is winning beauty awards, that's getting <laughs> yeah. like, because I, I very much think you have that or with the eye mask, I know you do. So I think that the first thing I would say is start a business that you provide a different perspective on. That is first and foremost, because, you know, I come from, you know, um, I had a lot going for me, you know, I'm, I understand how startups work. I understand how video editing works like right there. That's like a huge leg up on people who are trying to start the brand. Cause I understand marketing, right? Because before I was an editor, I was in marketing and before I worked, and I worked at a platform for two years. Like I saw how these platforms optimize content. And ultimately, you know, what I would say is that, you know, and just starting out, like understanding that every platform it's about metrics. And so create your content, understanding that it's all going to be metric led. Um, and so for me, the, the thing with a viral moment is that you really need to have a juxtaposition. And so I think that when you see what goes viral, it's always something that's surprising. And so for me, it's not necessarily about creating shock moments every time, but it's like for me talking about something like petrolatum which I will never shut up about because it's been so, this ingredient has been done so dirty and it's such a great ingredient and it's clean. And I just got off the phone the other day with a petrolatum supplier that's providing me reports that natural oils have higher PNA counts than petrolatum. PNAs are basically what people were freaking out about saying it causes cancer. And it's just like this idea that you know, just because it's something is associated with something else, it's considered dirty. And so that's where right. I love talking about these things are the surprising things in skincare or, you know, talking about the really disturbing history of retinol and the fact that it was mm -hmm. tested on prisoners. And that's then a segue into who goes to prison in the United States, you know, and, and yep. people are always like stick to skincare. And I'm like, I, I was going to say, do you ever get, what, how does that, how do you combat as a co-founder and the owner of a business and a personal brand who has as a brand brand, how do you protect the mother brand from the combative nature of the TikTok kids, the people that call you, you know, woke people that come for mm. you? Like, how do you separate the two and protect yourself as a founder that way? Yeah. I mean, I would say that ultimately, you know, I, 
I am part of the brand. So attacking yep. the brand, you're not just coming for me, you're coming for a whole team. So yep. make sure that you're coming correct and you know who that whole team is. Um, oh my God, I dare these people to well, come I mean, for you, ladies. I, I, the thing is, ultimately, it's one of those things where it's like nobody's perfect. And I think that yep. if we do, like, that's like the one thing, like, we are not saying that we are perfect and we are not saying that we've done everything right. There are so many things that we could work on, but we are trying and we are trying to dispel a lot of the myths and issues that are happening right now in the skincare industry. And a lot of like, we're trying not to use the levers that other brands are using to sell you something that may not work for you. Because for me, ultimately, I'm like, does a product work for you? Not the idea of like, safety being innovation is just so depressing to me. It's like we deserve as consumers, safety is the baseline. And what people don't understand is that safety, it's through good manufacturing practices, through having certificates of analysis through all of your products. It's not by having a free from list or misinterpreting what Europe is saying. Like in Europe, the saying free from is against the guidance. You are not supposed to say free from on any of your packaging. And the reason being that free from is misleading. And if an ingredient is legal in Europe, you can't say something is free from it because then what are you saying? You are doing the bare minimum, like you are, like people are following the law, like you're misinterpreting. And so Mm. I think that what people don't realize in Europe that I actually really appreciate is that they protect consumers, correct? They protect them from predatory marketing too. It's not just about safety. It's also about marketing. And that's what the US, where we are the wild west, is that the FDA cannot keep up with these D2C brands. I bet that there's no way they can no support way. these. I mean, there's they no they they pop up from every celebrity influencer left and right every two seconds. Mm-hmm. It's like whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked about expertise to launch a brand and getting educated if you're not already. We've talked about transparency. You know what's funny? I just went on your website. So I fucking love this. <laughs> clinically, the first thing you see is clinically vetted price transparent. Why was it important for you for the brand to not lead with uh buzzworthy anything about the product itself. Well, I will say clinically vetted is like a little bit buzzworthy, right? And like the way that we define that is that we do, we only make claims on actives that have clinical data. And then from there, we do our own clinical studies, not only if maybe data is missing, right? So on cannabinoids, the data was missing. So we did a clinical there to understand dosing. And then from there, we did a clinical on the final formula as well to, again, vet those claims. And so that's what we mean by clinically vetted. And then price transparency was really important for me because I feel like people saw the ordinary and they were like, skincare is a scam. And I'm like, I, I'm like, here's the thing. I like the ordinary for a few things, but those formulas, some of them cost what they cost because the price is low. The Our formula, our raw material can cost up to $12 depending on what's happening in the markets. So that's just yeah. the raw materials. So I don't know how I would get my serum to $6 other than, I don't know, if like I donate... Even if I donated my whole body to science... I would say a couple kidneys, it. something I like that. Too. <laughs> That only covers like 10 serums. So, so, I just got an email from one of our vendors, you know, that like our, some of our, just like into our fragrance themselves, just raw materials, just going through the roof right now. It's it's like, you know, guess what? Um, Labor costs money. And so our 3PL there, we have people who work in a warehouse. And so guess what we got to give them this year? A raise. And so I think that this is not to say don't buy the ordinary, but it's what I'm saying is don't scream at a company for having a $70 serum because sometimes that's what it costs. And yep. if something is extremely cheap and they're saying that they are very high quality ingredients, they are cutting the cost 
somewhere and where are they cutting it? And so for me, it's more about nuance, understanding that different businesses are here to achieve different things and that all these brands can play together and we're all lovely. Like I use some products from The Ordinary. I love their 5% lactic acid. It's fantastic. And that like insane red peel, love it on the back of my arms. The one that makes your face all bloody. Yeah, Yeah. I I use it on my feet. Oh, I like that idea. I'm too sensitive. That's to a product like I have repurchased from them. Um, how, how how do you find yourself? Where did because you talked about this before? I know because I am uh, I identify as male, but I know that the men that follow me, compared to my female friends with a large following, it's a different ball game. Mm-hmm. What I see my friends make on affiliate on a month that are female that just drive skims and um ugg booties and whatever it would blow people's fucking minds mm-hmm. um my mine is is hardy but it's not like what the the, the female world does as far as converting i made more Talk money about- as an influencer for a year than i ever did in corporate exactly that's why i'm and- telling women out there or anybody go be an influencer <laughs> it's like these, totally. these corporate jobs like and they tell you they're like oh we don't have the budget i'm like well guess what guess who does have the budget and it's like funny because i worked in marketing so i worked with these brands and i was like yeah. oh they had the budget oh they have the budget yeah. i mean how do you find as a business owner the conversion from audience to customer how needy do you feel to bring from one place to another? Mm -hmm. Do you not worry about that? I think a lot of people that are trying to launch a brand with a following are like, how will I bring them over? It's already hard to get them to do X, Y, Z. Do you feel Um, pressure there? I think that, I think that my content was also about starting a brand. Yeah, You know, I'm a TMI person and everyone always told me like, more like investors, like would be like, that's too much information. People don't care. And I was like, but I care. And so if I care, there has to be more people like me. Like, I don't, I care. care. Like, right. It's like, the thing is, it's like, you know, I I don't consider myself like a, like a brilliant scholar, like a mind. Like, I think that something I'm really good at is like kind of understanding how people like engage with things, interact with things. And then how do you scale that? And so from my perspective, I'm like, well, what's the worst thing that can happen if I test it? And that's another thing that I will say is like, just test it and have an opinion. I feel like a lot of people don't want to offend anyone and don't want to step on any toes. But if you're disrupting an industry, then you are by nature, like stepping on toes. And so I think that's another thing where everyone's like, just, just, you know, just like, don't, don't say anything too controversial. And I'm like, but why am I letting all these brands be controversial? Like I, they're being controversial. Like the clean beauty movement comes from an insane amount of controversy and them calling an entire group of products dirty. How is that not mean? That is mean to call a bunch of other products dirty with very little actual data. And so so, what are your thoughts on clean at Sephora? Like, I I feel like it's so weird. It's like this shit's good. That shit's bad. I think it's a weird sales. It's a weird sales construct, right? Like you're basically saying the rest of your store is poisoning the person. So if that's the case, (laughs) where are the class actions? But that being said, like the clean at Sephora standards, they they allow for petrol atom. They allowed for a lot of ingredients that are considered bad. And so it's a little bit confusing to me because I'm like, you're basically letting in every brand. So I don't really understand like, and also is good manufacturing practices like a part of that? Because that actually would be great, right? Like I'd yep. love to see that as part of like a standard Another for stamp. retails. Yeah, that- yeah. Or that when you have an OTC product, they're following the law, right? Like um, mm. a sunscreen product is going through the proper testing. So for me, it's like, I see actually a future for clean, maybe with a different language. Like I understand why clean exists. And I actually think it's necessary to have the conversations on safety. I just don't really like movements that start in negativity and unfortunately 
unfortunately, clean comes from clean eating and clean eating, which um, really got popularized by Kellogg's in like the 1900s. It actually stems to eugenics. And so the language around purity and purifying yourself actually has really dark backgrounds. And for for like anybody. And it's like, I just, I'm not a fan wow. of that language. And I think that this is part of my responsibility and beauty in being somebody who is like white and privileged. I need to understand the language that I'm using and what is the impact and clean yep. stem. There's no way of arguing around it. Do I think that anybody in clean beauty knows this? No. And so I'm not going to say make that link, but understanding that this is puritanical language. Yep that is used to shame and to talk about cleansing your Literally, body though, of impurities, you it it's not good. I don't want it. It's bad. <laughs> it's just not good. It's just not positive. And I think that beauty for so long, we've been using levers of shame. We've been using, you know, insecurity. Like we can do better. Like, you know, we can do better than this. Yep. And beauty is fun. Like I, what, beauty is great. One thing, it's really fun and really great. And my poor medicine cabinet is like, I mean, my hair is two inches long and I've got like thick ass skin and I do not need what I have. I mean, I've got, look, even just on my desk, I think I got this because you told me and I'm on my 10 millionth bottle, Dr. Loretta, intense replenishing. I just, love I love, it makes me look like a Krispy Kreme donut. Yeah, um, but one thing you're doing that's really fun. You told me this at that dinner pre-COVID. You were giving me sneaks of like, oh, what the brand will look like or yeah. what the whole ethos is from a brand and creative point mm-hmm. of view. How did that come to be from logo to the religious kind of undertone that mm-hmm. I find so cheeky? We say rituals. Yeah, we say rituals, yes. not miracles. But yeah, basically it's like, you know, for us, it's like we want to challenge your belief system just by you asking questions, right? So yep. I believed so many things to be true. I used to be a huge clean beauty proponent when I was writing mm. and stuff like that. And then I met Joyce and I met scientists and I, I dove into it and I was like, ooh, I got tricked a little bit. Like I didn't use my critical thinking. And why didn't I use my critical thinking? Because fear and emotion stepped in. And mm. so how do you challenge those beliefs? So I like to say I, I'm reformed, right? I'm born again. And so, yeah, so so that's really where that comes from. Like, you know, ultimately like I, I you know, I come from a very Catholic family. We want to be as respectful as possible. And I, I do think that we do stay on the respectful side and not go into the sacrilegious side because we don't really, we don't have like, we don't think about religion in that way. We think very much so about rituals and challenging your beliefs so like that you can find what works for you, right? Taking the leaps of faith out of skincare so like that hopefully we're marketing to you in a way where you understand what you're buying. That's my ultimate through line and goal. And in terms of the branding, it was done by an agency. And this is, you know, some people would say this is bad. Some people will say this is good. We did, had no money. So we actually gave a piece of equity away. For, for a very high-end design, for a very high-end design from PSA. They're fantastic, um, but we didn't have the money. And, you know, they put together their presentation for what they were going to do for us. And we were just like astounded at how perfect it was and how natural it felt. And so we went with them. Would you advise or what would you say to someone who's looking to start something? They don't have the money. They're not willing to. Would you wait to figure out the right agreement, the right thing with branding? How critical is what you've built for a new brand, like, you know, looking to start out, would they go with something and rebrand once they got to the right point? Or I think that unless you you have, 
I, it's not that you have the one shot. Okay. There's always room to change and to grow and to fail. Um, you have to fail fast. I would say, um, like if something isn't working, like I like to say, I have no problem, like killing my children when it comes to business. Like we're already killing a product that isn't working out. Right. Like, we know, it works. We know it doesn't. And it's the hand sanitizer. So if you want like the hand sanitizer and you're listening, like it's going to sell out and it'll be last call. Um, even though we spent so much money on OTC. And so that's a whole other conversation. Look, what I will say is that you can find a designer that can do branding um, probably for a reasonable price, right? Or you can maybe do like a like a rev share, always cap, yep. always have an end line on something. But ultimately, yep. like a lot of the design agencies that we were talking to that we were really inspired by, like they wanted big bucks. And like we just did yeah. not, we just did not yeah. have it. And so... You know, ultimately, these people are going to be making a lot of money if our business ends up being successful. And that's money yeah. that, you know, we could have spread around. So that's one thing to consider. Um, yeah. Another thing to consider is that, you know, ultimately, you you don't always get like the timeframes that you want, right? Because they're not working on pay, but you're like, oh my God, this has such potential. So there's a couple right. of caveats, but the ultimate thing is that you can also get really incredible work. And I wouldn't have traded what we did. I wouldn't have because it's we would have never beautiful. gotten something that perfect and that beautiful and somebody that just got us. But we also had a very clear vision. And that's something I yep. will say, like, don't just go through Like if you don't have a clear vision, if you don't know what you're doing, like I had a business plan, I had like a roadmap. I, I completely understood the vision of what we were, where we were going. And I had co-founders yeah. that helped me with that. If you're a little bit wishy-washy, then I wouldn't, that's when I would just, you know, hire a designer, you know, yep. on whatever app you can order a designer on and just do a right. test concept. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what my, what are your thoughts on, did you guys do testing like that? Did you ever do before you launched? Did you kind of do focus group testing or were you like, you knew you were so laser focused that it was group. Right. Oh my God. I love that. Social media is the focus group. And if people are liking content and if they're engaging, and if you see the same comment over and over and over again, it's far more honest than a focus group. A focus group, you have people in a room, people are people feed off each other, they get ideas from each other. I just don't, I used to work in marketing. I, I don't find, fo- I find focus groups to be helpful if you have more money than God. If you are yeah. scrappy, then your, your focus group is the social media. That's what I do with my brand. Like I literally, like, and I have people like big, you know, on the C-suite of many big corporate be like, I think it's crazy. You just ask them what you want them to, what you, what, what they want you to make. Like, like, why? They're, they're bu- that's just 12 people. But then you're putting it on your Instagram. I'm like, but they're, they buy it. They yeah. tell me yeah. I make for them. Yeah. Like, that's all. Like we're it's making, an right eye, we're making an eye product next year to go with the forever eye mask. And like, we just know that people, first off, yep. dark circles are just so hard to target. And so we want to be yeah. very, we want to be very respectful of those claims and not promise people anything there. But it's like, do you want to know what can be absolutely targeted? Puffiness that's not caused by fat deposits under the eyes. That's actually something that very much so can be addressed, um, especially mm. when you have the compression and the occlusion of the eye mask. And then wrinkles, like that is another thing, right? Like the appearance of those and plumping those out, those are easy. And then is the byproduct that for some people, yes, we'll have some, you know, hyperpigmentation ingredients in there that will help kind of with dark circles. But like, we're not just going to be like dark circles. Like it's just right. too... Like I have, I have, well, I, like have those. I have, all, I've, had, I've had dark circles from like birth. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like these deep set <laughs> yeah. Italian eyes, like, look, they're, they're great. They're beautiful. They look great with a cat eye, but 
I'm always going to have dark circles and a surgery fixes that, not an eye cream. And we want to be very clear on that. Well, thank you for doing that. I mean, uh, us poor guys, we get, this will reduce dark circles. No, it won't. Is it concealer? It, but right, no, it, it'll be like eye cream for dark circles. That's a lie. And my Charlotte and Tilbury's tan. like- And it'll be tan yeah. when you open your like it's makeup. You couldn't just exactly. say makeup? It is makeup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, um, since I'm losing time with you and I could talk to you for hours, I asked these questions, two questions, just because I'm just curious. I want to know, do you have a, as a brand girl, obsessed with brand, consuming brands, is there a brand memory from any point in your life that still lives rent-free in your head? Sometime that you engage with a brand, yours or others, that for some reason is fucking about, weird yes. and you just love it? I talk about this all the time. My, when my grandmother threw, a, or my marraine, she threw a jar of cold cream at me when I was like nine and she was like, your skin's dry. The cold, it was Nivea, Nivea cold cream. And so literally I was the using, cold cream. yes, I've been using cold cream from a very, very young age. And that's why I'm so angry or not angry, but like why I really want to address what's going on with the clean beauty movement is that I stopped using it because of fragrance and because of petrolatum. And yep. those look fragrance, not great with my skin as I get older. It's just, but that's an, that's a very small subset of the population that experiences allergies with fragrance. It's about 5%. Um, right. and then, but the petrolatum, like that is, I've put that back in my routine and it's done so much for me. But yeah, my, my marraine literally <laughs> threw a jar of cold cream at my face and was like, stop Treat itching. dry ass skin. Well, she's like, you're itching your face. Like, well, hasn't your mother told you? And I'm like, wait, what? And so that's another thing where I get really frustrated. People are like, oh, your body just naturally provides. And I was like, no, that's genetics. And my body has decided to fall asleep on the, you know, like uh, on the sebum, I have no, yeah, no, no sebaceous productivity in this body. And so I use, I have to use a, a lot of moisturizer, a lot. I know I use it. I do. I moisture. I mean, you should see the tub of Vaseline um, <laughs> in there. And like you said, it's going to be in there till AOC's president. So I've mm-hmm. got it for, it's just, mm-hmm. I use just sparing. Wait till out. we come out and with the bomb though. We're coming out with the bomb. Oh, please. I need it. It would be way cuter in that big ass tub. And then my other question is, is there a branding failure in launching your business that actually turned out to be such a branding kind of blessing that you're like, oh, I'm so fucking glad that went that way. I mean, the eye masks, everybody told us not to do it the way that we did it. Really? With the logos. People said people don't like logos anymore. And I'm like... Um, hi, have you seen half of uh, Bergdorf? Poor Bergdorf Goodman. I'm like, let me bring you to Canal Street for a quick moment. Like right. people are lined up to buy these fake bags, myself included. Don't tell Chanel or whoever. Right. Like, can I get suit for that? Anyways, um, but I don't like, that's one thing where people were like, people don't want your logo on their face. I'm like, people don't want ugly logos on their face, but ours yeah. isn't ugly. They want, people want to identify with <laughs> brands that speak to them now more than ever. And they're cute. Branding. And the masks are yeah. cute. I'm so proud of you. Um, how can everybody find you and your brand online so we can shop and stalk you? I mean, I love it. So at Charlotte Parlay, so that's P-A-R-L-E-R and um, that's just because I talked a lot. It's the French word parler. And so when I came up with my Instagram, one of my coworkers was like, Oh, you should put parler cause you never stop talking and greatest compliment oh ever. Um, and then, um, for do it's at do skin. So D I E U X and skin. I can't wait to order my new, I just squeezed my last drop out of my deliverance serum. I never finished stuff by the way. Uh, I was I so love happy. That you have I was empties. happy and sad to throw it 
away and recycled the tube, but I was excited to buy more shit from you. Love so it, love it. Um, congratulations. Thank you for coming onto the podcast and I'll see you in my eye mask very soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Guys, I could sit and talk to Charlotte all day. I think some of my takeaways, my top three takeaways from this episode would be become an expert. If you are not an expert in your field that you're looking to launch a brand in or develop your brand in, take the steps that you need to become an expert in that space so you can feel uh, strong, powerful, and impactful when you launch your brand. I also think uh, the conversation around transparency is really, really interesting and inspiring. I would love to do um, more of what Charlotte is doing with my own personal brand, being transparent about pricing, manufacturing. Uh, And I also really like the conversation around branding. I think that's a big takeaway here. If you want the best product and you've dreamt it in your mind, but you can't put it on paper and you can't afford it, get scrappy. I mean, you can look at giving away small bits of equity, doing things on rev share. I think that's a really interesting approach to creating the dream brand that you've always wanted to launch. For more on the show, you can find us on Instagram at brandmepodcast or at Preston Conrad. Be sure, of course, to rate, review, and subscribe and share on social. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next week.